the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. News. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. People think nothing of saying, oh my God, oh my God, or, or Jesus Christ as exclamation points in their conversations. That is very, very common. God's name is commonly used in the context of obscenities, vulgarity, profanity. And I want you to know, lest you sit here and think, well, that's not me. It's not only non-Christians who are guilty of misusing and abusing God's name. There are plenty of believers who do it. In fact, all of us at times have abused God's name. On the morning of September 11th, 2001, millions of Americans stopped what they were doing to tune in to the events that were taking place in New York City. They already knew that something terrible was happening. Two large passenger jets had been flown into the towers of the World Trade Center. Smoke could be seen billowing out of the towers. As the nation nervously watched and listened, most were hoping and praying that there would be no more surprises. Then the unexpected happened. Onlookers on the streets of New York City cried out in terror and disbelief as the first tower began to crumble. Dust, smoke, and debris cascaded down, engulfing the streets and burying everything nearby. It was a scene so terrible that it hardly seemed real. For most of us, the images and sounds of that day etched into our minds an indelible mark. The thoughts we thought and the emotions we felt then still flood over us when we look at the photos of that tragedy or watch video footage of the events. Feelings of helplessness to stop the pain and destruction that we were witnessing, sickness over the loss of life, and an overall sense of uncertainty about the enemy we faced. Oddly enough, one of the memories of that day that sits prominently in my mind is the great number of times that I could hear people crying or screaming, Oh my God! I'm not sure why this memory is so clear to me. I remember thinking at the time that very few, if any of those people, were actually praying to God. In fact, it is quite likely that many of them did not even believe in God. And yet it seemed that some of them could think of nothing else to say. The phrase, Oh my God, had become to them the natural way of expressing shock or fear. I suppose it just struck me as being indicative of a larger social problem. People today misuse the name of God so much that it does not hold any special significance or power for them, much less a place of honor. On today's broadcast of Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will begin a message that deals with taking God's name in vain. It is taken from the third commandment recorded in Exodus chapter 20, and it's part of a series of messages on the Ten Commandments that we have been doing here on the program. Today there are very few people who pay much attention to this commandment to not take God's name in vain, even for things much less dramatic than the events of 9-11. In fact, the habit of saying things like, Oh my God, appears to be just as prevalent among Christians as it is among unbelievers. 
text messages and emails frequently contain the initials OMG in response to even the most casual of events and information. As we shall hear on the program today, this use, or rather abuse, of God's name is not something we should be taking lightly. Here is Pastor Steve to tell us more. When I was a young boy, my parents sent me to Hebrew school in order that I might learn the language in preparation for my upcoming bar mitzvah. Now, some of you may not be familiar with that term, bar mitzvah. Those words literally mean son of commandments, and it's what just about every Jewish boy goes through. When he turns 13, there is a special ceremony or reception. He is now considered a man, and as a man, he is now personally accountable to God to keep his commandments, so he is called the son of commandments. Now, I wish I could say to you that as a result of all the money my parents spent in sending me to Hebrew school, I knew the Hebrew language, but I really don't. However, there are still some some phrases, some words that have uh, stood the test of time in my mind. And one of the phrases that I have never forgotten is part of a prayer that I once that I once memorized, and the prayer begins with these words: Baruch Hashem Adonai which means blessed be the name of the Lord. Baruch Hashem Adonai. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's a very common expression amongst Jewish people. And it reveals a deep sense of reverence that comes from observant Jews, pious Jews for God's name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And this sense of reverence, This attitude towards God's name really goes back all the way to the third commandment found in the Ten Commandments. And I'd like you to turn there to Exodus chapter 20. I want to read to you verse 7, which is the third commandment. It deals with God's name. And as you know, we have been studying for the last few weeks the Ten Commandments, the moral expression of God's character revealed in 10 words. That's literally what they are in the Bible, 10 words or 10 commandments. And we are now up to the third of the 10. And here's what God says in in Exodus 20, verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Now, this is a rather blunt commandment. This is a brief commandment. It makes up only one verse in the Bible, unlike what we studied last week, which uh, has a few verses, the second commandment. But I want you to know that though it is just a brief verse in the Bible and one of the shortest of the commandments, it's, it's perhaps the commandment that's broken more often than any other commandments found in the ten. To take God's name in vain is a very common occurrence in our society, in our culture. It is, it is quite frankly, the everyday discourse of our world. People think nothing of saying, oh my God, oh my God, or, or Jesus Christ as exclamation points in their conversations. That is very, very common. God's name is commonly used in the context of obscenities, vulgarity, profanity. And I want you to know, lest you sit here and think, well, that's not me. It's not only non-Christians who are guilty of misusing and abusing God's name. There are plenty of believers who do it. In fact, all of us at times have abused God's name. And we do this when we take his name in a very frivolous and trivial manner. In fact, 
taking the name of God in vain has become such a normal part of our daily and everyday conversations that when expletives and exclamations employing the name of God are heard on television, we don't seem to be bothered by it anymore. We're somewhat callous to it. We've, we've grown accustomed to it. We're calloused to either taking God's name in vain or hearing his name taken in vain. And yet God says that this is a most serious offense. He says that he will not let anyone who takes his name in vain go unpunished. Now, for breaking any of the Ten Commandments, which we've all broken, the Bible says there is punishment. But it is interesting that to note that in this commandment, God specifically says there's punishment. So this is, this is quite serious. God does not want anyone to take his precious name and misuse it. Now, I want you to understand something and notice something interesting about this third commandment. Unlike the first two commandments that we've studied, there is no hiding the fact when this commandment is broken. You can't hide it. Everybody knows when it's broken. See, it's possible to violate the first and the second commandment, which deal with idolatry and rivals uh, to God in our hearts and worshiping him properly. It's possible to violate those two commandments and not really have people know about it. For example, you can violate the first and second commandment in mental ways and nobody would recognize it. You can have other gods in your heart that rival the Lord and nobody else might know about it because it's in your heart. You can worship the Lord with mental images and nobody would really know about it because they're inward, they're mental images. But you cannot take God's name in vain without everybody who hears you knowing about it because it's a sin that's spoken. There's verbal communication. It involves our speech. And the Bible makes it abundantly clear that our speech reveals our hearts, what's in our heart will come out of our mouths. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, your words announce what your mind, your heart is really thinking. If it's in there, it'll eventually come out. And since the human heart is in rebellion to God, then the words that we speak reflect the attitude of spiritual defiance. One Bible teacher put it this way. He wrote, speech is the sacred vehicle of the invisible soul the most spiritual, non-material function of the body. Speech diagrams the unseen soul, end of quote. So by our speech, we really reveal that we're sinners. And because we're sinners, we are guilty of taking God's precious name and misusing it. Now this morning, we want to tackle, tackle this third commandment, exploring what it actually means to verbally abuse God's name. How, do, how does this apply to us? And we want to discover the many ways that we can be guilty of, of abusing it and breaking this. The third commandment, like most of the Ten Commandments, can be viewed from three angles. There are usually three components or three basic truths built into the commandment. So this morning, we're going to look, first of all, at the prohibition against taking God's name. That's the command itself, the thou shalt not. Secondly, we're going to look at the proper use of God's name, which is the broad intention of all of the commandments. They're, they're not designed to just be negative, though they're presented in a thou shalt not. They're also designed to be positive. And then finally, we're going to look at the penalty for taking God's name in vain. That is the punishment, the punishment for disobeying this commandment. So let's begin by getting into the first truth revealed in the third commandments, and it is this, the prohibition against taking God's name in vain. 
the specific command reads this way, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now that seems rather to the point, but I'm convinced that we really can't understand the, the depth of this, the precise meaning of this, unless you understand three Hebrew words that make up this phrase. The first word is take. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What does he mean by that? This Hebrew word literally means to lift up, to raise, to take up as one would raise or lift up a song. It's, it's used of lifting up a proverb or, or lifting up a song unto someone. So to take God's name simply means to lift up or to raise it up in the sense of using it means to use it. That's essentially the meaning in this context. The second word we need to understand is the word name. The word name. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, in our culture, names really mean very little. Names are usually labels or tags that we give to someone so we can identify them and distinguish them from other people. We don't just say, hey, you. We put a name on someone. And I realize that some people attach importance to names, but not always the case. In fact, the trend in our society is to move away from that. There was a recent editorial in World Magazine called Brand Names, and uh, it's all about how we name children. And it's interesting that according to World Magazine, the latest trend in baby names, you want to know what they are? Naming a child after a product, a consumer product. That's right. 22, they looked into this in the last year or so, how people were named. 22 girls registered that year. They were uh, named Infinity. That's with an I for the car, not, not otherwise about God's nature. Uh, hundreds of children were named after clothing companies. 298 girls were named Armani. That's right. There were 164 named after the more casual Nautica. Six boys were named Timberland after the boot. Sometimes these names came with a special emphasis on fabrics. So you had five girls who were named Rayon. Six boys were named Cashmere. Now I'm thinking that's a, that's a girl's name. If you're going to name someone, you're going to call someone Cashmere. Don't call it a boy. Seven were named, now this is a boy's name, Denim. Seven were named Denim. And uh, five were named Cotton, which is interesting. Forty-nine boys were named Cannon after the camera. Seven boys were named Del Monte. That, that, that has to be Italian, doesn't it? Someone's been joking, straighten me out on that later. Now, my favorite of all of these, they found two families who were sports fanatics, and yes, they named their boys ESPN. That's right. When, uh, when they found one family in Texas, they said, we don't pronounce it that way, we pronounce it Espen. So there is a child named Espen. I say, if you're going to have a second one, name him ESPN too, and just complete the whole thing. Anyway, that's the way our society is about names. We, we have some very interesting ways of naming children. Uh, to us, a name is merely some, something that we call someone. And that's why even, even hundreds of years ago, William Shakespeare asked in Romeo and Juliet, what's in a name? Most of us would reply, not much. We like the way it sounds. We, we attach some meaning to it, but not much. Just some letters thrown together to distinguish one person from another. 
But that's not the Bible's perspective on names. The Bible has a a different perspective on names. In Scripture, a name is more than a title of identification. A name declares character, always. That's always the way it is when God has his say in naming someone. A name proclaims who a person is, what they do, uh, a unique feature about them. For example, when God created the first man, he named him Adam, which means earth. Adam literally means earth because he was made from the dust of the earth. It was to signify his name and what he was. There's the Old Testament character, Abram. God said, no longer will you be called Abram. I am changing your name to Abraham, which literally means the father of many, rather. Father of a multitude. And that was to accurately describe that God, through Abraham, was going to build a large and great nation, the nation of Israel, the patriarch of God's people. In the New Testament, you have Jesus, remember, meeting Simon Peter, or at that time his name was simply Simon, and he was a vacillating individual, and Jesus said, your name will be Peter, which means rock or stone, in order to reflect that the Lord would would transform him from a vacillating individual to a rock of stability, spiritually stable, a leader amongst people. Now, just as these names were were given to men to accurately describe them, so I want you to understand that God, his name, accurately describes who he is and what he's done. Now, you say, well, what is God's name? Well, there's no one name for God. The Bible gives God many, many names. I mean, there are whole books written on the names of God. But throughout the Bible, God has revealed himself through many different names that express various aspects of his character. There is not one name that could sum up all that that God is. So he has many names. For example, one of his names is Elohim. Elohim, that's a Hebrew word, and it basically speaks of his power and his strength, Elohim, the great one. His name is also Adonai. I mentioned Baruch Hashem Adonai. Adonai, and it speaks of his of of his uh, of his lordship and his authority. It's it's another. It's a synonym for master. It would be like saying Lord. Adonai is Lord. He revealed himself to Moses in a special way. Remember at the burning bush, the bush that burned, but it would not be consumed. And he said, "I'm sending you." to Pharaoh, and I'm telling you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And, and Moses said, when I go back there and they say, who shall I say sent me? What is your name? And God said, and we translate it this way, I am that I am. But literally, it's just four letters, and we, we would pronounce it Yahweh. We anglicize it, and we say Jehovah. And Jehovah or Yahweh means the self-existent one, the sovereign one, the, the self-determining one. That's who I am. There are other names, uh, kind of components put, put together that reflect who he is. The famous one made famous by the song El Shaddai speaks of, of God as the almighty one, the all-sufficient one. He's also called Jehovah Jireh. And we sing about that. That refers to him as our provider. Jehovah Tzikenu means the Lord our righteousness. You have Jehovah Shalom and, and, just, and just combinations of names to reflect who God is. Many, many different names. Now, it's important to understand that because when the Bible 
says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. It is not merely, although it involves this, it is not merely referring to, to the letters G-O-D. That's part of it, but it's not merely that. God's name encompasses not only what he is called, but it in, embraces everything that is true about him. So that, watch this, to profane his name is to profane his character. That's why it's very serious. It's not just name-calling. It's talking about his character. That's why the Bible exalts God's name with such magnitude. And, and so often, if you look in the back of a concordance, or you look at a Strong's concordance, you look at the back of the Bible, rather, and you have a concordance there, or a Strong's concordance, notice how often God's name is mentioned and in a way that exalts him. For example, Psalm 8. Verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. God's name is majestic. Psalm 34, verse 3, which we have up there. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Psalm 29, verse 2, ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. God's name is glorious. Ascribe to him. Give to him praise Psalm 103, verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. God's name is holy. His name is glorious. His name is, is majestic. His name is to be exalted. All of that. So we've looked now at, at two important Hebrew words to understand this, this prohibition. Number one, take means essentially to use, to lift it up. Number two, the name speaks of his name plus his character what we call him as well as his character. Now, the third Hebrew word that helps us to understand what it means to take God's name in vain is the term in vain itself. What does that mean? This particular Hebrew word has its roots in a, in a word that means waste. Waste. It carries the thought of something that is empty of meaning, something that is wasteful. In other words, to take God's name in vain is to take it in a hollow way, an inappropriate way, frivolous way, an empty way, a, a, a wasteful way in which there is no appropriate occasion. You're just throwing it out there. And we're going to look at that more in depth. But folks, according to this, all of us are guilty of this. Every single one of us. We have all used God's name in ways that violate the spirit and the, and the intent of this third commandment. We are all guilty. Now, let me explain. There are two basic ways that this commandment can be violated. The first way we break this commandment is when we take God's name without any real reference to him. No reference to him. We mention God, but, but what we are saying has nothing to do with God. But we mention his name. But we're not thinking about him. It has nothing to do with him. Secondly, we break this commandment when we use God's name without proper reverence for him. The first is when we have no reference to him. The second is when there's no reverence for him. We are speaking about him, but we don't have the right attitude. We don't have the right attitude. That's the second way. As we examine the ways that people lightly refer to God today, it is clear that there is more to it than just a way of expressing emotion. It is evidence of our spiritual depravity. I mean, just think about it. Do you ever hear people saying, Oh, my Buddha, or Oh, my Darwin? <laughs> of course not. If any names are used as thoughtless expressions or curse words, you can pretty well be certain that it will be those of God or Jesus Christ. In a world that has fallen and in rebellion against the God of creation, 
This treatment of his name is just another example of our sinful nature and its revolt against God. This is why the third commandment is so important. God is dealing with a problem in our hearts, and he cautions us to not think of him lightly, to not forget that he is the Almighty, the eternal King of glory. This matter of reverencing God's name is really about our perspective of God himself. You have been listening to Verse by Verse, and we're glad that you joined us today. If you have only recently begun listening to this program, then you probably would like to know more about the ministry. If so, we invite you to check out our website, versebyverseradio.org. You will be able to learn the history of this program and of our teacher, Steve Kreloff. You will also find a link to the church where Steve pastors, Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Our website also has a large audio archive of previously broadcast programs that you can listen to online. So whether you want to catch up on programs that you missed or you simply want to explore some of the many other topics that we have studied here on Verse by Verse, we encourage you to take advantage of this free resource. Just click on the Listen Now button at the top of the main page. We will be continuing Steve's study on the proper reverence of God's name on our next broadcast, so we hope you'll join us again. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's There's a lot going on right now. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.